A guten Erev Shabbos, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas, Vayishlach, Tavshin Peibes. And as we said this week in the Shmuz, we gave in the Yeshiva that we're holding Samach Venira to the Yantif of Chanukah, Ba'aleinu Latoiva. And I'm sure that many of us, especially those that learned in Yeshiva and Ne'er Yaakov, remember the Gavaldika Simcha of the lighting of the candles and the Mesibas Chanukah. And all those warm, good feelings that we had, we should be to be able to light the neiris in our hearts and light the neiris of our children and our friends. We should be to a lot of Hanukkah But before we get to Hanukkah, we have Shabbos, Kaidis, Parshas Vayishlach, famous battle between Yaakov and Esav. And we'll discuss this a little more in detail uh, in the podcast soon, but I want to first of all say one word which has nothing to do with the Parsha, just a little current events and also in the get to the time period that we're in during the course of this year. Before we say anything, we just like to mention that last night we had a Levaya here in Harnov of one of the great, great Talmud HaChachamim of our generation, literally from the the greatest of the Talmud HaChachamim. Rav Shleimah Fisher, Zeich who was the Rosh Hashiva of Yeshiva's Itri for many, many, for close to 50 years. And he was a neighbor of ours, and really it's hard to believe, even though he's been sick for the last period, but we remember vividly his countenance and his ziv, pana ziva, pana adara. It's a tremendous loss, a, a Talmud Chacham of... Uh, Really, beyond our understanding, is is his lumdus and his his eon of uh, the sugius, the shiurim that he gave, the um, hasmada that he had it was yadua that Rabbi Fisher would literally spend the entire week in the yeshiva and only come home on Shabbos. He had a tremendous ashes chayil. Rebetzin Fisher will allow him to do this. And he was known to be one of the literally one of the great Pekim and one of the greatest Masmidim of our generation. Um, as a young boy, he learned to Demir in Eretz Yisrael. And the reason why he learned to Demir is because his, his father had passed away when he was at a young age. And his mother was very, very poor. They lived in, in the old city in the beginning, in Altstadt, and they lived in Meir Sharim. His older brother was a Bissol Yaakov Fisher who became one of the great poskim of the door. And um, at one point, there was a Talmud Chacham, Rav Davis, who supported the family, supported the Almana, and, uh, but it was, it, it was trying times. So he heard that in the mirror, Rav Lazy Yehuda Finkel would pay money to Talmidim that would give, would say, Shtiklach Torah. So he literally would go, and there's probably twice a week, he would he would have fantastic shtiklach Torah and Blaze Yehuda would be in a spall from a shtiklach Torah would pay him a, a nice sum of money and would immediately give it to his mother. And that's the reason why he went to learn the mirror right away. And he became a Talmud Muvak from the mirror and he was from the Gedele Gedele Talmidim of the Mir Yeshiva way before my time. But uh, he was known as to be someone that was attached to the Mir Yeshiva for many years. And his Bikiyas was really phenomenal. His Shiurim were phenomenal. Another great Godel here in, in Harnof that we are Zoycha to have, Yabodel Chaim Tov Maruchim is a Moshe Sternbuch Shlita. I was Zoycha this week to dive in a few times by him. 
And uh, right after davening, I asked him a shayla that this week it seems that we're holding in the year of Shemitah and uh, we have not had rain. We're waiting uh, impatiently for rain to come. We hope it's going to rain today. It did start raining in different parts of Eretzal last night. But this week it seems that Reb Chaim Kanievsky had put out Hachraza, uh, that one should say the special tefillah in Shema Kulein, that one says in Eretz Yisrael, tefillah for Atziras Geshamim. It's really a beautiful prayer if you take a look. And it really speaks about how we should daven for rain, we should daven for that the Tzara should be taken away from us. We have not had just been no rain, there hasn't been any rain since the beginning of the winter. And Reb Chaim said that one should daven for rain because, interesting thing, he said that the mikvos. The mikvahs need the geshem, the rain, in order to fill up the borders. And if not, you can't have, can't have megishamim. If not, it's a shail of mayim shuvim. And uh, he said there are many, many mikvahs at the south, especially that are missing this, missing this rain. And that's a reason to daven. So I asked Rav Sternbuch after davening, um, what does he hold? So Rav Sternbuch says something. He said something fantastic. He said, it's going to rain in a few days. It's going to rain either today or tomorrow. So I said, well, that's according to the weather reports, but we still have to rain. The truth is, if we're now learning the the, the sugyas and tainas and the dafayami and the mashmosis, even if they're clouds, you still have to daven because you don't know if the clouds are going to give forth rain. So if Sternberg said, no, since Alpider Hateva, it's going to come, it's not considered a time of Atsiris Geshamim. Today, Bechlal, the rain that is needed is not necessarily needed for the for the crops. Needed for other things because we have a lot of water that we have from the, the reservoirs and from the uh, they have different uh, ways of creating water which can be used for irrigation. So Sturmbach told me you can rely on the fact that it's going that that, that uh, it's going to rain from the weather reports. It was a big chiddush. Then I asked him, what happens if a person wants to daven a tefillas yachid just in his own shmoner? He wants to add on the tefillah. Because he feels it would be good to have the rain. The rain is always a positive thing. So Rav said, no. Unless it's a, at Sirius Geshomim. And that now, especially, he said, this year is a year of Shemitah. And Shemitah, it always rains late. Now, I saw a Misa just this morning that relates to this issue. That on for some reason, Shemitah, it always rains later, later in the season. It seems that there's a, um, a Moshav up north that there are from people, uh, people that became religiously in, involved, especially lately, and we know that there's a tremendous amount of uh, interest in people trying to keep the laws of Shemitah. So it seems there are three different ways that one could look at, at, at the from the farmer perspective. What happens when Shemitah comes? There are those that are literally gibari kayach, that they literally take off a year, they let the land go fallow, they don't plant anything, and um and they have to live either off savings that they have or support. And that's why there's many, many people that are supporting the Shomri Shemitah, the Karen Hashviyas. I myself give a little bit also to the Karen Hashviyas to support the farmers that are, that are now taking off a year and they're not planting. Then there's a Shita of Heter Mechira, without getting into the rights and wrongs, but there is a Shita of Heter Mechira, which is the land is sold to the Arabs. And therefore, you're allowed to plant because you're not you're not planting in Jewish land. You're planting you're planting in non-Jewish land, and there's a big discussion. The Chazanish was not in favor. The Chazanish was against this, and most of the Olam Torah does not hold of the Hetem Mechira. There are people who do hold of the Hetem Mechira, 
and those people who hold the Netan Mechira, they basically, they um, they have regu- a regular year because they allow the Netan Mechira to give them a Netan to plant. But then there's a Shita of the Chazanish. The Chazanish held that even though you can't really plant on Shemitah, but you're allowed to plant seeds before Rosh Hashanah of Tafshin Pei Beis. And when it starts to rain, the the, the crops that come out are called Svichin. And the Svichin are permitted you're permitted to eat from those smichen, from those smichen which grew, which were planted before Rosh Hashanah. So there's, it seems there's a, a, a phenomenon that took place this year, and this could be the basis of what Rav Sternbuch was saying. The phenomenon that took place this year is, is that when you plant before Rosh Hashanah, now what happens is like this. If there's going to be rain, if it's intermediate rain, which is not going to come all the time, then it ruins it, basically it washes away all the seeds that are planted. So the people that plant before Rosh Hashanah, they don't really want the rain to come. Because if the rain comes too early and it doesn't come in a, in a strong fashion, then the seeds are going to be washed away and everything is going to be lost. So what happened was this year you saw a tremendous Yatta Deshmaya, that there was, there was no rain at all and they planted the seeds deeply inside the ground. And now they say the rain is going to start. And when the rain starts now, this is the perfect time with the temperature and everything else for the seeds to become seedlings and for them to sprout forth Mirz Hashem. So we're davening that Mirz Hashem, the rain should be as we learned in the Gemara in Tainus, this is one of the mafteiches that's given Really, the Rabbi was the only one that has the Mavteach for the Mavteach Gishamim. And that's why we daven, Mashiv Haruach Amerit Agoshem, and the same Talamot Livracha. We urge everyone in America that now you're going to start to, Mirzashem, December 4th, December 5th, you're going to start to daven. They say that the Kavanas that you have in the Mashiv Haruach and the Vesein Talamot should be for the crops that are in Eretz Yisrael. So, first, we want to say over this Gavaldika Maisa, we see the Siyat Rishmaya. Rabbi made it that this year, that the rain should not become in the beginning of the season. And the people that were the people that were that planted, they daven that there should not be rain at this point. So therefore it's very, very fits in very well with what Sturmbach had told me that one should not daven the, the, the brach of a serious Kishonim at this point, because when it comes, it will come in the right time. And Bez Hashem Yisbarch, it should be Brachov Hatzlacha. This week's parsha. Parshas Vayislach, famous parsha of the Battle of Yaakov and Esav, the meeting of Yaakov and Esav. And all of the Mepharshim all say that this is the template for how a Yid and how Klayisol goes to Golos. Ramban says at the beginning of the parsha that this parsha was written in order to teach us that we prepare ourselves with tefillah, with Dairon, and we're also prepared for battle. And uh, we want to point out, we've spoken about this in the past, we want to speak out a few different points, not necessarily in the, in the, in, in, in the um, area of the, um, of the beginning of the parsha, but as the parsha goes on, we see that Yaakov Avinu sends Malachim, and he sends them, and he tells them to, to bring a certain amount of Tzon and Bokar and Gemalim, and he says it should be revach bein eider leeder. You should spread it out, spread it out. And Rashi says the reason you spread it out, make it look like it's larger than it is. 
in order to give cover, in order to give honor to Esav, they should think that he's getting a very, very large amount. And he should also see, look how much, look how much Yaakov Avinu really respects him. Yaakov Avinu wants, wants to give him so much. The Ramban points out, he brings down the Medrash, that the Medrash says that the real purpose of the, the remez of Revach ben Eidel Eider is really what the Medrash tells us that we're really asking HaKadosh Baruch Hu that we should have the um, tsarists that come upon Kla Yisrael, they should not be all at one shot. Remez, Oma Yaakov, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Yaakov says in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Rebbeinu Shalom, Imiu tsaris bois al-bonai, loitavi oisan zu achazu. If the tsarists are going to come, don't bring them all at one shot. Ela hervach lehem mitsarisem. Make sure to make sure that they're spread out, and this is really what he was saying. So we know that there's going to be tzaras of Esav, but it should be revach ben Eder leEder. I saw an interesting pshat that the Rabbi Yankel Galinsky said over the name of the stipler. The Gemara says in Brachos that Rabbi Eliezer was sick, and Rabbi Yochanan went to visit him, and he was living in a dark room, and Rabbi Yochanan lifted up his arm and his arm was 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 it was filled with light and it lit up the room and he turned to Rabbi Yezim and he says he saw that he was crying he says why are you crying he says if you're crying because you didn't learn enough Torah you might you you learned you might have learned as much as you wanted to but you you definitely learned so you shouldn't be worried about that if it's because of parnasa he says laf not everyone was zoycha to two shulchanas. If it's because that he wasn't zoycha to have children, so Rabbi Yochanan, unbelievable, took out the bone of his tenth child, which he used to carry with him. He had lost ten children. Can you imagine the tzaras? And what did he do? He showed him, listen, I also had tzaras. And then he turned to him and he says, Chaviv alach yisurim. Do you like yisurim? He says, no, lohein v'loschar, I don't like them. I don't like, I don't like the reward of it. So he says, okay, so stand up. And he was able to revitalize him. He was able to bring him back to life, so to speak. Literally, he was able to revitalize him. So the stipler asked, Rebyanka Galinsky said, why did um, Reb Yochan have to go into every single tzara that, that uh, Rebbe Glazer had? If he had a kayak to, to relieve him of the tzara, so he should have just said, do you like Yisurim? Why did he have to go into every single tzara? So the stipler says an interesting thing along these lines. It should be Rebach ben Eidel Eider. When Rabbi Yochanan came along, he didn't just time come along, hocus pocus, and say, oh, all your tzaras are going to go away. What he said was, okay, let's analyze each tzara. A lot of times people have different trials and tribulations which we have during life. Each time something comes along, one goes and discusses it with a friend, with a Rebbe, with a gadol, with someone that he trusts, and that person tries to untangle that different tzorah, to show that the tzorah is not necessarily the complete tzorah the way you saw it. And that's what happened over here. Every single tzorah, Rabbi Yochan was able to break it down. He said, let's analyze this tzorah. And let's analyze this, if, and then we'll, that would take care of that one. Now let's take a look at the next one. This is the godless of the gedolim. They're able to relate, and they're able to feel the pain and the suffering of the other person, and they try their utmost to show that there's a revach, bein eidel eider. I remember as a as a young chassan, I myself had a little what's called a chassan dilemma, and I was then learning in the Mir Yeshiva in Brooklyn uh, 
before my chasna, and I decided I need to get some advice from my Rebbe, Rav Moshe Feinstein. So I called Rav Moshe on the phone, and I told him that I have a, a problem and I want to discuss it. And Rav Moshe said immediately, he says, he was in the Lower East Side. I was in Brooklyn. I was learning Namir in Brooklyn. He says, do you want me to come to you? I was like shocked. How could it be the Gadol Ador? Rav Moshe was in his 80s then. He's gonna, he said, no, 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 Rabbi, I'll come, to, I'll come to you. He says, come right away. He says, come right away. Take the subway and come right away. And that's what I did. I took the F train, took the subway to Lower East Side. I went to Rav Moshe's apartment. And Rav Moshe was there in the house. He greeted me. And he sat with me for a half hour, 45 minutes. And he went through the different, different you know, the, the chasen uh, jitters, as they say. And he was able to unravel it, able to make it ben eider la eider. Rabbi, as we lived through the Golas, was a, first of all, it was a tremendous lesson that the gedolim, they're attuned, and how they try their utmost to make sure that every single person should feel that there's someone that cares about them and takes care of them. Rabbi said, this is really the bracha that Yaakov Avinu was asking the Rabbanishim should be revach ben eder la eder, and there should be, as we say, gedolim and rabbanim and friends that help us to get through the tzaras. Like the Gemara says, when a person has a daiga, she should speak it over with a good chaver. That's the Indian of Rabbi said, the Muhammad of Esav and Yaakov, we know, has two different components. As the Beisalevi and other Mepharshim say, there's two different aspects of the battle of Esav and Yaakov. There's the Esav, when he acts like Esav, when we see like the Goyim when they come against us, Throughout the generations, every single generation, pogroms, inquisitions, holocaust, until today, the enemies that are trying to destroy us, and even in our own modern day, we shouldn't think we're any different. But then there's the other kind of battle that goes on with Esav, and that's the battle when he acts as he's an Ach, he acts as a brother. And what does it say? It says, He battled with him. They, he battled with him the entire night. This is the Sar Shalesov. What is that battle? So we know, as we said, that there's an Ach. Sometimes it's, it's the assimilation process. It's, as we used to say, you know, I, I want to be like Mike, right? I want to, you know, we, we want to try to become part of the society at large. And the society at large beckons us with big bright signs, neon signs. Come be like us. And this is the two aspects of the Yovik Ish Ime. Rashi says, one chat is, it's a lesson of, of grabbing on, holding on to each other. It's like like, a, like a, a wrestling match. And the other one is that there's dust that comes up underneath the feet. So one of the Mepharshim say that's really two different aspects. One aspect is, was the the hugging, so to speak like a wrestling match, but it's like, you know, we're, t- we're tied together. It's like, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's brotherhood, so to speak. And the other one is dust, when there's a battlefield that's going on. And we know that the Chazal say that, who was the Sar Shalesov? Some say that Sar Shalesov, he looked like a, Esav looked like a guy. Esav looked like a guy. He looked like a non-Jew. He looked like the typical, the typical battle, the Romans, the Greeks, always trying to come to kill the Jews. And there's another type. He looked like a Talmud Chacham. What does he look like a Talmud Chacham? He beckoned us. We see today, unfortunately, it's it's hard to say, but we have to say it. We have a government 
that is run by people who want to change the the landscape of, of the way we understood that at least there was a status quo here in Israel. They want to create at the Kotel, there should be a reform area and there should be mixed uh, mixed um, ceremonies, mixed davenings. They want to create that the laws of Geiris should include the reform. And we know that this is really the oldest the oldest aspect which we're getting close to Hanukkah, the Misyavnim. And we have to know that there's a battle that's going on. How do we get through this battle? So there's an interesting Targum Yonason Benazil. Targum Yonason Benazil says on the Pusik when they're finally Asaf meets up with Yaakov. So it says, Vayaretz Asaf across the Asaf runs to him. Vayichapkeyu, he hugs him. Vayipal Tzavari falls on his shoulder. Vayishakeyu, and he kisses him. Vayifku, and they cry. So we know that the, there's there's a different Nekudus, or it's called Pintalach. Pintalach on top of the word Vayishakeyu. Rashi HaKadosh points says, why is it two different, why the Nekudus? Brings down two different Shatim. One says that when Asif kissed him, he didn't kiss him fully. Right? That's Vayishakeyu, that's it's Pintalach. It's not a complete kiss. But Rav Shubh ben Yechai says, no, he really, at that point, even though Halachi had Esav son of Yaakov, but at that point, Esav had had some feelings of Rachamim, and he kissed him, Belev Sholem. So again, we could understand that this is really, again, the two aspects that, what is Esav, how is Esav trying to kill us? Is Esav trying to, the kiss, as we say, was a kiss of death, so to speak? And it's Shaloi Nashka B'cholibay, or did he have Rachmanus? Okay, did he have Rachmanus? Does he try to kill us outright, or is he trying to kill us softly, as they say? The Targum Yonizim Benazil says over an unbelievable thing. He says, "Why did Esav cry?" He says, "Well, the truth is like this. What happened was is that Yaakov Avinu, when he saw that Esav was coming to greet him, so he literally his neck turned into marble." similar to the story of Moshe Rabbeinu by the gallows. His neck turned into marble. And Esav kissed him. When he kissed him, it wasn't just a kiss. It was like a bite. So, Literally, his teeth were shaken. They were bent out of place. And therefore, that's the reason why he cried. He cried because his teeth he tried to bite into Yaakov and he wasn't able to bite into him. Why did Yaakov cry? Yaakov cried because he had pain, because he had a stiff neck. So when I always saw this Targum Yonasim Azil, it always dawned upon me again, this is the same lessons that's going on over here. Esav, even when Esav gives a kiss, when Esav acts like an ach, it's really a kiss where he's trying to destroy us. And the only thing that a yid can do is to be like Yaakov Avinu, which is to steal yourself. And this is the way we have to go through Golas. One has to turn his neck into marble. One has to be stiff-necked, like the Jews are stiff-necked. And this is an area which needs the Tyrus HaGolas. I think, as we said last week, the Tyrus HaGolas that Yaakov Avinu learned from the Yeshiva Shein Ve'ever, when we, and how we act with the Uma Sa'olam. Sure, we're going to live in a society which is an open society, we have to know that we are next. We have to be stiff next, so to speak. We have to have necks made out of marble. And it's going to cause pain because we're not going to be able to be part of 
the bigger, the so-called world that invites us in. But we're going to remain the students of Yaakov Avinu, Ishtam Yosef Olim, connected to the base Medrash, connected to the Gedolim. We pray and we daven as we get through the Golas Mirz Hashem, that we have a Haftacha, that the Yomish Tarazim and Picham, the Banashim should watch over us. We should be Zaychim Mirz Hashem. As we see, we're going through the Shemitah and we have the Giboy Kayach, we should learn from them how they also are being Maisa Nefesh. We should be Maisa Nefesh. We should be Zaychim Mirz Hashem. A good Shabbos to everyone, to the Gula Shleim of Hayav Yameinu. Amen, Vamein. Wishing everyone a wonderful Shabbos. Thank you very much for listening. We want to thank jfoundations.com. If you could sponsor any of our activities, it would be another way of addressing and being able to give over Torah to other people. Go on the website and show your support. Thank you very much for joining us.